From PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, and Sandberg Media, LLC, I'm David Dalt with Things Not Seen. The principle of Sabbath is to expand the notion that we live in a world that was created by God and that we're in dialogue every day with God. And so our obligation is to care for the earth around us. And in some ways, the Sabbath becomes a a precursor of what's to come. This is really a prefigurement of the garden that we fell from and that the garden that we're supposed to be entitled to once this experience on this earth is over with. But we treat this earth as a gift from God. Things Not Seen is made possible in part through the generosity of our Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them, please go to patreon.com slash notseenradio. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash notseenradio. Thank you. Welcome to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're delighted today to welcome back to the show... Martin Doblemeyer. He's the president and founder of Journey Films. He holds degrees in religious studies, broadcast journalism, and honorary degrees in fine arts and humane letters. Since 1984, he's produced and directed more than 30 films focused on religion, faith, and spirituality. Martin Doblemeyer combines a lifelong interest in religion with a passion for storytelling. Over the years, he has traveled on location to more than 40 countries to profile numerous religious leaders, spiritual communities, heads of state, and Nobel laureates. His films explore how belief can lead individuals to extraordinary acts and how spirituality creates and sustains communities and how faith is lived in extraordinary ways. We're talking about his most recent film today, Sabbath. Martin Doblemeyer, welcome back to Things Not Seen. Uh, It's nice to see you again and to be on the show again, David. Thank you so much. Well, I want to dive right in because this movie, Sabbath, is different from many of the films that we've talked about here on the show that you have produced recently. And I want to get into some of those differences. So first of all, many of your films that we have discussed have been about particular figures. So we've talked about religious luminaries, not only from the Christian tradition, but also from the Jewish tradition. But this is not a film about a figure. This is a film about an idea, the idea of Sabbath. So maybe let's start there. What was it that made you think and made your co-producers think, now's the time to move away from reporting about the lives of various religious and spiritual figures to now start talking about this particular central religious concept? Well, you're right. The last few films have been biographical films on Abraham Heschel and Reinhold Niebuhr, Howard Thurman, Dorothy Day. And those have been fun to do and a great learning experience, a great opportunity to do a deep dive into these characters. I loved it. But at some point, as a filmmaker, I think to myself, well, we have to move out of that genre again. We had done other biographies in the past. This was a volley of documentary, biographical documentaries that we had done. And we thought, well, let's take on something different. And I always have to be careful, David, because the films that we do are for public television and they have to be for a broad television audience that are religious and secular, people who are seeking and people who are not seeking. And so we are always thinking about what kind of topics we can research and get into and make films about that fit our model, and yet at the same time might still be able to touch a wider audience. And 
having just read Heschel's book, Abraham Heschel's book on the Sabbath, it percolated the idea again in my mind. And having been able to sit down with the people at public television saying, one of the things we're all suffering through right now, especially in the midst of the COVID, whether you're religious or not religious, we're all feeling stressed out and burned out. We've lost all of our senses of rhythm and time. Maybe the notion of Sabbath might be able to at least resurrect, if you will, the idea that's been present and available to us and has begun to fall away. Let's see whether or not we can get into this and enjoy the process, and yet at the same time doing something helpful, both for religious and non-religious alike. Well, and this may be something that my listeners maybe have a vague grasp of, but I'd love to talk with you about it specifically and technically. I think that maybe sometimes people have the notion that a documentarian just turns on the camera and captures whatever life is there, and then they go and they simply just take the shots that they've got and they put them in order. But really, it's not that. It's not simply capturing one moment after another. It really is storytelling. And so I wonder if you could take us back to as you move from having the idea to do this story, as you begin to work with your collaborators, how did you break this story? And by that, I mean, how did you figure out, okay, we're going to not just talk about the concept of Sabbath, but we're going to bring in some tangible aspects. How did you start to think about, these are the kinds of voices we need. These are the kinds of stories we need to tell. Walk us through that process, if you will. Well, there are filmmakers, David, I will admit that simply go out and spray the place. They just interview everybody they can find and they shoot everything. They, and then they go home and they try and make something out of it. And that's why it takes them seven years to make a film. That's never been my approach. I'm more of a journalist. And so I go into all these projects only after we've done lots of research, talked to lots of people, visited sites, and prepared ourselves. And when we show up on location, we already know what we think we want to film. And I've already got my questions laid out. I've already got a sense of where I want to go. Now, the other mark that a documentary filmmaker has to be has to have within their arsenal of, of commitments is to be committed to the notion that things can change. Things you think are going to happen don't happen. Things happen that you never expected would happen. So it's a combination of all of that, but you always go into this with, with an expectation of what you hope you're going to find. I'm like a lawyer. You never ask somebody in the seat a question that you don't already have the answer to. And that's the way that we approach it. We think we have a theory about how we're going to go after this story. And then we begin. This particular documentary on Sabbath took about the better part of two years. And of course, it was done during a pandemic. Uh, there were places, I can't mention them, that, that said basically, no, we're not ready to receive right now. We can't do this. Most of the places were very gracious. The people were very gracious. They were a little, some of them were, of course, nervous about us coming. There was so much, think back to 21 and 22, there was so much legitimate concern for strangers in your midst. But many of them did welcome us in. And so I, I think we, we, we got an interesting array of storylines and people, writers and people who've been involved with this whole notion of Sabbath for a long time. And I learned a lot in the process, and I hope the audience will feel the same. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're delighted to welcome back to the show Martin Doblemeyer, the president and founder of Journey Films. Today we're talking about their most recent documentary, Sabbath, which is released both on their website for streaming, but also on PBS stations across the nation. So I love this idea that you go into the process of filmmaking 
with an economy. And what I mean by that is you have a sense of what you need to get from various locations, but you also have an openness to the possibility of surprise, that you may encounter something on the ground and things can change. I wonder, as you were moving through this process, and you've mentioned it already, but let's make it explicit, you made this film during the height of the COVID pandemic. And so you were going into locations, probably needing to economize even more than you have in films in the past, where you really need to make sure that you know what the crew is doing, you know what you're trying to capture, and you know that you're having minimal exposure of risk for either the subjects of the documentary or for your crew. So in the midst of that process, I imagine that the constraints may have led to a certain type of frenetic storytelling, but you still mention this notion of having the possibility of surprise. I wonder if you could tell us one or two things that happened in the field that did surprise you in the process of this, despite all of those constraints and despite all of the obstacles that were very present during the two years of making this film. Yes. No, you're right. Surprise is a big element of what we're trying to get to. And well, one of the surprises that we have is we committed to filming a chapter of the film in Los Angeles at this really interesting congregation, a Catholic church right in downtown Los Angeles called Our Lady Queen of Angels. But because it's across the street from the main city plaza, it's become known affectionately as La Placita, the little plaza. That's the name of the church. And they said, Martin, when you're coming, we think there'll be a number of baptisms. It could add a lot, really a great visual impact. And I said, well, how many baptisms do you think you might have over the weekend, the Sabbath period? And they said, well, we're looking between 20 and 30. I said, oh my gosh, 20 and thir- or 30 baptisms over the course of one weekend. She said, that's not unusual for us. That's not unusual. And when we showed up, David, they had over the course of two days, 60 baptisms. They were lined up. The babies were absolutely adorable, all little angels, all dressed in immaculate white. And so just from a television point of view, we could talk about the theology of Sabbath and the history of Sabbath. But just from a television point of view, it's beautiful. It's just fabulous. And it's been fun to watch the film, uh, watch that chapter of the film with an audience. They're all cooing and all these little babies, just fabulous stuff. And that's one of the other surprises that came up. I just felt as though... Of all the films that I've done, you mentioned I've done more than 30 films. I think this one has the strongest music track. And that, for me, is a big addition to this film. Yes, we have the history of Sabbath and everything, but we have, because we were able to capture it and be there while these things were happening, we have mariachi music. We have African-American gospel, rock and gospel. We, we went up to a monastery, St. Joseph's Abbey in Spencer, Massachusetts, and there were the monks singing Gregorian chant for us. So the, and then we were down in Jackson, Mississippi. So the music tapestry of this film, I think, is like none other than we've ever been able to capture. And I'm, we're really proud of that. And I think that's, I hope people will be aware of that as they're watching the film and become engaged with the storyline. But the music forms a real bedrock for these films. And this is, I think we really have something special with this. That was one of the things that really struck me about your film, Sabbath. And as we're moving towards our first break, I want to ask you about this because I'm used to your films because they're focused on a figure. They tend to be one or two locations and they really tell the story archivally or going back through old pictures and going back through the reminiscences of people sitting in rooms. But in this particular film, you're jet setting. You're going from location 
residential location. And again, I want to stress to my listeners, you were doing this during a time of pandemic. So talk to us a little bit about how that aspect of going to these different locations helped with the storytelling, helped with keeping the energy alive for this project, and helped just talk to us about that shift from going into the archives versus going into location after location. Well, it, well, it's a different art form, it, and in many ways, it really is. I don't want to. I know I sound like I'm bad rapping my own films, but when you do a biograph, a historical biographical film, look at it honestly. We do our best to weave a really good yarn, a really good tale, but it's basically archival material, whether it's photographs or letters or film footage or some of that archival material, and what we call in the business talking heads. And so there's an art to mixing all that together and coming up with something. Very different process from taking a crew. In this case, we had multiple cameras, two, two and sometimes three cameras on location. And you're going out there and you're trying to capture moments. And it's a very different, it's a very different challenge. It was a lot of fun for us to do that. But of course, it's, we have to be very careful too, because it was a pandemic. We're honoring people's concerns for safety and and keeping distance and still doing all that and trying at the same time to be as intimate as possible to bring the viewer into a moment that we think are important. So we're right up at the altar when the baptisms are happening. You're right in the congregation when the Gregorian chants are being done. We have music videos of all of that. We're right on the altar when the African-American music is playing. And we're, we're still engaged with people who are unpacking the historical chapters of it. So there is chapters in this film that are historical in nature. So they're driven by historians and theologians and stuff like that. But you're right, it, there's elements that are a very different kind of presentation for us. And that was a challenge and it was fun. Our, the videographers, the camera people that we work with, uh, they loved it. They were really excited about diving in and being present to all these events. And the places that we went, I think one of the nice things after having done all these films over all these years, most of them knew us and most of them welcomed us. And that makes a big difference. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're delighted today to be speaking again with Martin Doblemeyer. He's the president and founder of Journey Films. We've had him on the show before talking about other documentaries, about Abraham Joshua Heschel, about Howard Thurman. Today we're talking about a recent documentary from Journey Films called Sabbath. We'll continue talking about it in just a moment. Things Not Seen is brought to you in part by Liturgical Press. Liturgical Press is a trusted publisher of resources on liturgy, scripture, theology, and spirituality. They've evolved to serve the changing needs of the Christian church, and they produce resources for pastoral leaders, teachers, engaged learners, and all leaders looking for quality books on faith and culture. Lit Press books are available at your favorite book retailer and online at litpress.org. That's litpress.org. Welcome back to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. If you're enjoying these conversations, please go to our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. There you'll find 10 years of these sorts of interviews and conversations all available for free for your listening pleasure. We're delighted today to be speaking again to Martin Doblemeyer. He's the president and founder of Journey Films. We've had him on the show several times before talking about his various biographical projects about spiritual and religious leaders from American history. Today we're talking about a recent film produced by Journey Films called Sabbath. Well, Martin Doblemeyer, let's dive into the subject matter of the film itself. And what struck me 
immediately about your film Sabbath is that when we talk about Sabbath as an abstract concept, we might be able to give it a definition. But almost immediately, we begin to discover that in different communities, Sabbath is understood in different ways. And so I want to begin to dig into that from some of the widest differences and then get a little bit more particular about it. But let's start first. If we were to talk about the way that a Jewish community versus a Christian community looks at the concept of Sabbath. How would you, in broad strokes, help my listeners understand some of those differences? Well, I think in the Jewish communities that we involved ourselves in, that we came into, and we really mean in particular a Reformed congregation and an Orthodox, a civic congregation, it was clear to me that in both these environments, Sabbath is an anchor for what they believe as what God is calling them to respond to the, their mission and ministry in the world. Sabbath is central, central to their thinking. And so that's the starting place. And then from a Christian point of view, I think it was, there was more of a challenge because Sabbath does not take on quite the same significance or seriousness. Now, don't get me wrong, within the Catholic community, for certain missing church on Sunday has traditionally been known as a mortal sin. And I grew up born and raised an educated Roman Catholic. And for me, um, I knew from my earliest years that when my parents would take me to church on Sunday, if I had missed church on Sunday, it was a mortal sin. That's a pretty heavy weight on an eight-year-old to have to figure out how to negotiate. But there's, there was a seriousness there about that. But I think in the Christian context, it's not thought of as the same way as the anchor that it is in, in Jewish context. Consciousness, And ultimately, I heard on a number of times from different people, the commandment to honor the Sabbath was given to the Jews, and that it's been interpreted and reinterpreted by Christians throughout the course of history. And so there's a proprietary sense within the Jewish world, and I respect that. But also, too, I have to say Seventh-day Adventists have developed their own theology around Sabbath, which is also central to them, happens to be also on Saturday. Their Sabbath day, they honor Saturday as the sa- Sabbath in the Seventh-day Adventist communities. Pope John Paul II has written about Deus, he wrote the apostolic letter Deus Domini, talking about we need as Catholics, he would say, to go back and reimagine, rethink, and reinvigorate our commitment to Sabbath, and use that word Sabbath. So I think you find elements that aren't not identical, but certainly bedrocks within the faith communities. And I think that's part of the common denominator that we were looking for we've selected the topic in the first place. Well, and I want to dig a little deeper into this, because as you were demonstrating and showing us as viewers these various Jewish communities, the Orthodox community where during the Sabbath day it would be a religious space, but then during the days of the week it's a study space, and then as we look at a more Reformed community and you take us into into even a conservative summer camp for Jewish children as well, but in each of those cases it struck me that Sabbath is a practice, that it is something that is central to the way that Jewish communities structure their time and their lives, versus what I was seeing in most of the Christian communities that you were showing to us, and most of the reflection from those Christian communities, Sabbath was more aspirational. We wish that we would engage more rest in our life. We wish that we would bring it. And so as I begin to line out that distinction, the practice versus the aspiration, is that something that you yourself experienced, or would you talk about this difference in a different way? No, there, there is a sense of aspiration within the Catholic or the Christian perspective of Sabbath. 
But at the same time, you also have, there's so many elements that go into this. The, with the Protestants have a, a famous Protestant work ethic. The idea, this central to them is this notion that if we're not working, we're not doing something. God expects us to be constantly productive. Jews don't think about that on the Sabbath. Sabbath, Shabbat is a day to stop. It's clear. They have clear lines, clear distinctions. Catholics or Christians, for that matter, wouldn't say to themselves, oh, it's five o'clock. It's now Friday afternoon or Saturday evening. It's five o'clock and we're stopping. That absolute. They're not that. Catholics are not that way at all. Christians, by and large, are not that way at all. They're taking from the traditions the idea that it is a sacred day. We need to do something about this. It usually has been focused on attendance at church. And that was it. The idea of rest, okay, if you could, but not the same in, in Judaism. They really do take the rest notion seriously, and they're proud of it. That's so, so strange to hear to Presbyterians who say, no, 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 we work. And, and I think Jews just in a different way, but we have a lot to learn from each other. I think that's the fundamental difference. I, and I came away both from the experience in the Jewish environments and the Catholic and the Presbyterian and the the multi-faith environment saying, love, there's so much good ground for interfaith dialogue in this kind of topic, Sabbath. And so, David, one of the things we're going to be doing over the next many months as we roll the film out is we're going to help people try to facilitate their own interfaith dialogues, interfaith gatherings, show the film, if not in its entirety, but actually even in parts and chapters, and then bring in people in your own communities who represent different faith traditions and talk about Sabbath or the practice of Sabbath and how it's seen in different communities and use that as a platform to talk about this, some of the serious interfaith dialogue that's possible. And this was one of the things that really intrigued me about your film Sabbath was when we're talking about the concept of Sabbath, we're talking largely about Jewish practices that have then been adopted by Christian communities in varying ways, either inspirational, aspirational, or in practical ways. But you also brought in the third Abrahamic faith, Islam, and you start this section by saying Sabbath is not really a central part of Islam's practices. However, we can find parallels and cognates. And I wonder if you could talk to my listeners a little bit about how you worked that conversation. How is it that you approached the Islamic communities that you filmed presenting them this idea, we want to talk about Sabbath, we don't really do Sabbath. How did that conversation unfold so that these communities understood what it was that you were asking to capture in the first place? No, that's a great question. Well, I actually happen to know Khalid Latif. He's the imam in New York at the Islamic Center at New York University. And I've known him for a while, and we've tried to get him in other films, and I thought this is a perfect opportunity to, to, to bring him on here. And he understood clearly that, they, that I was not trying to force Islam into my film project. I was simply inviting him to say, well, a lot of people have said to me, Martin, what, 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 do, what do Muslims do about the notion of Sabbath? And I said, you want to help me unpack that a little bit? I think there's going to be a genuine curiosity from a lot of people. Well, what does Islam say about Sabbath? And he, I thought he was very clear to say, no, look, we don't speak in terms of Sabbath, really. But in fact, the practices have a lot of commonalities. They honor a Friday Juma prayer, and they don't think in terms of humanity needing a day of rest, and they don't really see God resting. But what they do is they say, this is a one day a week in a seven-day cycle. This is one day a week that we have to have a special prayer, something unique. He talked about how over, for centuries, people would have their daily prayer 
in the Muslim world in their own local mosques, but they would always go on Juma prayer Friday to the big mosque. They would travel. They would go to a certain place that was sacred to them. They would come in their best clothes. They would decide that they were going to, after the service, they would go out and do social projects. They would actually try and help the communities where they were living. And I thought, this is not identical to Sabbath as in, in a Judeo-Christian tradition, but there's so many commonalities. I think it's worth adding into the film. And I also thought that Khalid Latif was great. I just thought in the interview, he had a rhythm and a pace that almost felt Sabbath-like, a presentation that was at peace. And you felt as though this is going to be a good contribution to the overall look of the Sabbath story. So I'm glad he was able to do it for us. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're delighted today to be speaking again with Martin Doblemeyer. He's the president and founder of Journey Films. And today we're talking about their most recent film, Sabbath, which is available both through their website, Journey Films, but also on various PBS stations in the coming months. Well, as we're thinking about your film, Sabbath, and in particular, this gesture towards how Islam thinks about the possibility or the parallel with Sabbath, there were a couple things that Imam Latif said that really struck me, and that was, okay, so you talked about the Juma prayer on Friday, and he began to give us some theological grounding for why that is the case. So in the creation story, Adam was created on a Friday, and the fall happened on a Friday. So basically, Friday becomes their significant day in the repeating circuit of time that the seven days give us. Just like for Christians, Sunday is an important day. For Jewish communities, Saturday is an important day. We begin to understand why Friday would become the focal day here. I just, I found that to be a really fascinating moment in the storytelling because that was not something that I expected to begin to get out of a film on Sabbath. So when those sorts of things began to be unveiled for you on film, was that another moment of surprise for you? Sure. And I, one of the things they add to is that when God comes again, it will be on a Friday. And I thought that was, okay, that's, that sort of puts a stamp on it. Nobody's claimed Wednesday. Somebody has to claim, some faith tradition has to claim Wednesday somewhere along the line. But I tell you, to, to me, I just thought that what it's really all about, David, is the notion of claiming in the midst of all the chaos of the world around us, claiming sacred time. The concept is lost to a growingly secular world, and we're going to claim this time as sacred time. This no longer belongs just to me. It belongs to God. We're reminded of God. We're thinking about certain things. The, the monks at St. Joseph's Abbey said that for 1,500 years, the Benedictine tradition given to them by St. Benedict and the rule of St. Benedict was that on Sunday, it was not just going to Mass on Sunday. But the day was supposed to be for Lexio Divina, time for sacred reading. So put our mind into what we should be putting our mind into on that sacred day. And so for us, the, as a culture that's growing less and less interested in the sacred, I think this is a reminder of what might be possible and the loss that we've actually experienced in a culture that's let that all go. A couple of people have said to me, well, Martin, what you're trying to do in this film is you're trying to reclaim blue laws. The forced handle of saying, Sunday, the stores will all be closed. We have to stop all this terrible commercialism. And the film talks about where we sort of remember the idea of what we used to have, which was a forced rhythm of time in the week going back for centuries in this country, Purit going back to the Puritans. But that's not what we're calling for. 
what we're basically talking about in this film is that the soul gets its day of rest and you do it intentionally. I don't think you need laws to do that. I think what we're, we're calling for now is a remembrance of the possibility that some of this belongs to God and that some people still believe that. Um, and it's not just about rest. Uh, one of the, my favorite lines in the film is from the Orthodox rabbi, Manus Friedman. He said, rest can be very selfish. I work all this time and now I just want my rest and then I'll go back to work tomorrow. But it's more than that. The whole notion of Sabbath is not a vacation moment. It's really about retuning our attitudes towards what we live for and who we live for and why. And that whole notion of the peace of soul is what's most important. You can stop doing for a day, but most important thing is the heart and the soul at rest. Well, one of the things that I really was struck by also about your film, Sabbath, is it's not just about reclaiming sacred time, but it's also about reclaiming a kind of sacred space or the way in which the rhythms of the land get brought up into this idea of Sabbath. I really loved the things that you were doing with the various farms and the various food programs. I wonder if you could tell my listeners a little bit about that and how that factors into the storytelling of Sabbath here. Well, someone that, that I consider her friendship really important to me is Barbara Brown Taylor, theologian and very popular author. And she said, Martin, if you're going to do this film, you might want to look at a project that's going on at Princeton Theological Seminary. And sure enough, we went up to Princeton. I, we're in Alexandria, Virginia, went up to Princeton and spent some time on a project they call the Forminary. So it's a combination of a forum and a seminary at, on the grounds of Princeton Theological Seminary, run by a theologian and farmer. He's a Mennonite from Kansas, a farmer, and he has created this program for theology students. These were people who will be the next generation of pastors and church leaders. And to say, look, in addition to studying Karl Barth and these other great theologians, let's get our hands dirty. Let's remind ourselves of the earth that we all share, and let's talk about farming in terms of Sabbath practices, that the earth is in dialogue with us, that we have to give and receive and give back. And so I thought that was a perfect Sabbath story. And he had written a book called, he had written Wrestling with Rest, which was his take on farming with those principles of Sabbath. And so creation, all of it's all tied together, David. That's one of the things that became clear. So these new seminary students who will become the next generation of pastors will be given before they leave this practical hands-on experience of connecting Sabbath and the earth that we live in and an appreciation for where food comes from. Ultimately, it's all about that. One of the ideas that we bring up in the film is that we do. None of us live on farms anymore. I mean, when the old laws of what you could do and not do on Sabbath were created on Shabbat, it was mostly to speak to an agricultural people. We're not agricultural people by and large anymore. Most of us simply go to the grocery store, buy the food. And as one of the writers says in the film, when you buy something, you don't feel an obligation to it. You own it. And if it, whether it's tomatoes and potatoes or whatever it is you bring home, you own it. You don't think about where it comes from. Uh, but I think what the Sabbath film was trying to do is say, look, this is all part of the creation story, which is woven into the notion of the cycles of our lives, the world that we live in and the responsibility that we all share. So I thought the farminary story was a wonderful addition to what we we're trying to say. Well, and as we're moving towards our next break, there was a moment in the farminary chapter of your film Sabbath that really struck me. One of the students sitting there around the big table when they're having these discussions, she says something that the professor said 
about getting back in touch and learning to listen to the land again. And I'm paraphrasing the way that this was put, but I'm really struck by that. And I want to ask you about this idea. How does Sabbath connect to listening? both listening to another person, but also listening to things like the soil beneath our feet, creation itself. How does that factor in? Well, I think you're right. And first of all, thanks for being so so on top of all the content in my film. I'm really honored by what you're doing. The idea that Sabbath calls us not just to gather and worship on an individual day, I think that's one of the themes that we're trying to push against. You know, for a lot of people, it's two hours on a Sunday and done, and then you move on. What we were trying to say is, look, the principle of Sabbath is to expand the notion that we live in a world that was created by God and that we're in dialogue every day with God about that. And so our obligation is to care for the earth around us, which is a very popular theme that we all, I think that we could all resonate with today. And yet, and to understand that it's a reflection of God. And in some ways, the Sabbath becomes a a precursor of what's to come. This is really a prefigurement of the garden that we fell from and that the garden that we're supposed to be entitled to once this experience on this earth is over with. But we treat this earth as a gift from God and that it will produce for us. We know that, and we know that it can produce enough to take care of us. That's the great mystery and the disappointment. We have to think like that in order to be able to produce like that. And for me, the care for the earth that we live in. That's why the other story that I wanted to include, which was a Jewish farm story um, up in Massachusetts that brought us into the storyline about Shemitah. It's not just that we need to rest, which we do. The earth needs a rest. It needs a rest from us. (laughs) And I think that's the thing to remember. We've all grown up with this notion of dominance of the world around us. But I think once what Sabbath's just trying to teach us is that the way that we live on this earth is in dialogue, in, in conversation with the earth itself. So you give the earth its day of rest, and that's the obligation that we have as human beings who are given dominion over the earth. If you're just joining us, this is Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. We're speaking today with Martin Doblemeyer. He's the president and founder of Journey Films. Since 1984, he has produced and directed more than 30 films focused on religion, faith, and spirituality. He's been on the show numerous times before, and we're delighted to have him back. Today, we're discussing his recent film, Sabbath. We'll continue talking about this when we return. We'll be back in just a moment. Welcome back to Things Not Seen. I'm David Dalt. Each week on our program, we bring you a rich conversation about culture and faith. If you're enjoying these conversations, please go to our website, thingsnotseenradio.com. There you'll find 10 years of these sorts of interviews and conversations, all available for free for your listening pleasure. We're delighted today to be speaking again with Martin Doblemeyer. He's the president and founder of Journey Films. Since 1984, he's produced and directed more than 30 films focused on religion, faith, and spirituality. Today we're talking about his most recent film, Sabbath. Well, I understand that putting out a documentary film for a wide range of not only viewing audiences, but also potential faith audiences, that's a bit of a tightrope act. And also putting something onto public broadcasting, where there are multiple constituencies who want public broadcasting to serve a certain kind of messaging, that's also a tightrope act. I want to ask now some larger questions about your subject matter, because the idea of Sabbath 
when we look, for example, at certain African-American scholars, particularly womanist scholars, you'll sometimes encounter the phrase, rest is a form of revolution. And when we talk about, as you were saying before the break, this Jewish idea of Shemitah, that the world itself, that the earth, the land, needs a rest from us and from our desire to master it, like that also begins to gesture towards a radical change in the way that we live and the way that we think about time and the way that we think about the way that the earth is here to meet our needs. And so I want to now ask you as a filmmaker how you walk that tightrope. As you're thinking about your audiences, how much are you giving them of the need for this aspiration, this radical, this revolutionary vision, and how much are you giving them of, we've got to, we've got to keep this within some bright lines lest we offend anybody? And I hope that's not an impertinent question. I really do want to know how you as a filmmaker, as a creator, think about balancing all of these strong and sometimes chaotic forces in the process of telling your story. Well, well, I think the truth helps a lot, meaning that if you simply tell the truth that seems more undeniable than contestable, then you're halfway home. And so for us, we've already, there'll be people who are be disappointed that we didn't strongly advocate their interpretation of Sabbath, that we didn't put it out in a didactic way. They were at, actually, our job is to serve up the idea of Sabbath and remind millions of people that we're all going through the same problems right now, which is to suffer a loss of time, suffer a, lo- a sense of being stressed out and burned out. And maybe there's something here that we lost in, over the course of these last decades. And so I try my best to tell the best story I can. And I've, I gave up a long ago realizing that I can't please everybody and that I'm going to get some responses of people who will be disappointed and maybe even some people who will be angry. But I tried about, especially in our culture today, the way that we can, when we announce anything publicly, the backlash is often strong and it can be very painful. But I, I didn't make up the idea of Sabbath. It's not my concept. God created the notion of Sabbath and I'm simply trying to put a contemporary point on it and say, there's a lot going on here that we hadn't thought about. It's been part of our history as Americans. It's had points in which it's been refreshing to call Sabbath the time in which African-Americans who had been enslaved for six days a week can feel a sense of relief and freedom on a Sabbath. And that's part of our American story. I think that's an undeniable truth that we presented. So I do think about how people will respond to the story. I'm always aware of being offensive. Sometimes we're offensive because we, we don't go deep enough uh, and we can't. The time allotment that we have is, doesn't give us the opportunity to go deeper, but we make it in good faith, if I can use that expression. We just try to do the very best that we can and we hope that the, that the value of the concept itself will win the day. Well, and I want to stay with this for just a moment and thank you, first of all, for the generosity of that answer to what was from me a blue sky theoretical question. And now I'm going to give you another one. Uh, Because there's a moment in your film Sabbath where you have brought us into the 
Orthodox Hasidic synagogue that also doubles as a house of study. And you show us these these students all sitting around a table with a book of the Talmud open among them. And I believe that the process that you describe there and that's being talked about is Havruta, where you have various different scholars sitting around a table and saying, I think the passage means this. I think the passage means this. Now, I know from my studies that if we go back into Jewish history, we will find Havruta around the Sabbath itself. For example, if we say when the Sabbath begins, it begins at sundown. What does sundown mean? Well, sundown might mean when we begin to see, you know, dusk coming, or sundown means when it's half when the sun is halfway at the horizon, or sundown means when you can no longer read the words on a page by daylight. Like we've got different communities having different answers about this. And so you showed us that in real time. But I want to suggest to you that your film is doing Havruta itself, that these different chapters are saying, I think Sabbath is this. And then another chapter comes and says, I think Sabbath is this. Another chapter comes and says, but what about if it's this? And so as I give that image back to you, that this is a form of Havruta that you're showing to us, where these different chapters are giving us different accounts of Sabbath, do I have that right? Does that feel right to you? Or would you say, no, no, David... I think that it's more like this, and you'd say it in a different way. Well, I think that's a brilliant observation and connection that you've made. I love the idea of people taking a text from, the, from their sacred tradition, whether it's the Talmud or for the Quran, and taking it seriously and saying, look, we have our own lived experiences, and we're bringing our lived experiences into the context of studying this material, which has been handed down over the ages. Well, that's a beautiful thing to see. And I think. Christianity certainly has that going, evaluating and then reevaluating the evaluations. This is critical for how it becomes a lived text. That's what this is all about. And I believe it's my personal opinion that there's something sacred about it, but at the same time, there's something that's, that's alive and able to be malleable enough that it'll actually fit me and work for me in my life. So if people will take the film and have these kinds of conversations. That's a great point. That's exactly what we're hoping will happen. And it can be people within the same faith tradition, and that could be people from different faith traditions who can help us explore from their perspective versus another perspective exactly what this is supposed to mean. But that's what we're supposed to do. I think we're supposed to think about this. I'll give you a little anecdotal story. The, the pastor at that parish, that congregation in Los Angeles, La Placita, he does four of the eight masses every day. He does most of the baptism, 50, 60 baptisms in a given week. Then he's also visiting the sick, trying to raise the money, feeding the poor, doing all the other kind of stuff. And we had spent the week with him. We thought he was just a terrific voice in this congregation. And when it was all over, David, he comes to me and he says, Martin, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for not just putting us in the film, but thank you for making me really think about Sabbath. I've been doing it for 30 years as the pastor of this congregation and realized that I hadn't really thought about it. And that's fundamentally all we're trying to do with the film, to give people examples, give them some texts, give them some history and say, look, think about this. And because we're, many of us are living it, but have we really thought about it and others hunger for it and don't even know it. Well, and that just brings to mind another moment in your film, Sabbath. And again, it's I believe that he's the rabbi of this Hasidic Orthodox synagogue, long white beard, and he's, but he says, listen, 
six days of the week you work and you justify your existence. But on the seventh day, on the Sabbath, you don't have to give any accounting for why you're here. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but you just get to live. You just get to exist in time. And I, it seems to me like your film here, Sabbath, is doing that as well. It is showing all of these different ways that Sabbath is practiced and enacted and reflected upon, almost as an invitation to the viewer, that how about trying some of this, friend? What would it be like if you were to pause and just exist instead of trying to justify yourself? Now, when I say that to you, does that sound too highfalutin, or are you pleased by the idea that viewers might come away with that kind of reassurance about themselves? No, there's a line in the film that's given by the great biblical scholar Walter Brueggemann, who knew Abraham Joshua Heschel, who wrote the great book, The Sabbath. And both of them had written extensively on the Sabbath, But Walter Brueggemann said that he heard Abraham Heschel one time say that Shabbat was the one day of the week that he didn't feel like he had to prove he was a good rabbi. And I think in some ways, most of us live most of the other six days trying to prove that we're good at something, whether it's parenting or good at our jobs or good neighbors. Shabbat, Sabbath becomes the day when that isn't required. That's not the first thing. And fundamentally, I think when it comes down to it, Sabbath is all about trust. It's about the willingness to trust that you're going to give this earth and the world that we live in back to the God who created it for at least one day and say, I'm going to back off for one day and give the earth back to you. I'm going to give the world back to you. I'm going to put my job down and trust that my coworker is not going to usurp me while I'm putting my tools down for the day. There's a lot of trust involved here. And I think that's a great exercise for all of us. We've lost so much trust in everything in this culture, trust in our government, the media, everything. But Sabbath really fundamentally calls us to trust that the world's going to be okay if I back away from it for a day and trust that my family will be there to support me, trust that we can do this together. And I, I think that's really one of the unspoken benefits of what Sabbath was intended to give us. Well, and that just brings to mind, again, the Jewish farm that you chronicle in your film Sabbath, where the leaders of this farm say almost exactly that, not just a trust in time, but also a trust in their space. They open up their land to others to just come in freely and to pick what they need. And they say, when we do that, we have to really trust that they're not going to take everything, that they're not going to destroy. So really... Sabbath is not just intellectual trust, is it? It's an embodied form of trust. When I say that, does that sound right? Yeah, no, it is an embodied form of trust. And it's not just the physical rest, it's the spiritual rest. And those things are all aligning. When you get to that point at which you can actually say, look, this is the day that I'm taking for myself to be able to reconnect with all that's good and holy in the world. I'm going to connect with that very notion that this is supposed to be in some small way, a prefigurement of what exists beyond all this reality that we see. It takes a lot of trust, but once you cross that threshold, a lot of benefits coming out of that. And there's a rest, there's a basic rest itself in that. So that, that's what we're trying to get to. And, and it's also, too, that, that, that we have a lot of ground to reclaim as a culture. We've let a lot of things go in our culture. And it's time that we fo- refocus the six days of the week around this notion of Sabbath. I think one of the most important things that's said in that segment at the farm is that you can't live a life like this just one day a week. The Shemitah law is that you have to give one year back to God, but you can't do that 
unless you live in the other six in preparation. Same thing for the weekly Sabbath, unless you're able to ingrain in yourself some of the ways that you're going to approach the Sabbath, whether it's your Saturday or Sunday, the other days of the week, it's just going to be the switch on, switch off. And the hope is that the practice that you create for your Sabbath will be able to direct and guide and undergird the way that you live the other six days of the week. And what I'm hearing in what you're saying is this is not improvisation. It's not making it up every six days as we go along. This really is about committing to rhythms for the long term and rhythms within rhythms as well and learning to trust that those rhythms will in fact deliver the rest that they that we're told that they will that is so different from the way that we have been taught to think about our existence here as americans or as modern people and so i just reflect with me for a moment on this idea of the rhythm and how restructuring our lives around the idea that things come in cycles rather than in lines, how is that a kind of revolution for us as well? Well, it's a revisiting. In some ways, the culture, like I said before, had this ingrained in the culture. It was a Christian concept that we were going to honor Sunday as the day to be given back to God and to family. And we liked all those notions, in some ways naive notion, especially back in the 40s and 1950s and started to eradicate back in the 1960s and 70s. But I think in some ways the culture today is calling for something like that. We, we feel the loss of it. I think if there's anything that can be clearly said about the American culture is that we swing to the extremes. We just do. This is the way that we've been forever. We, we, and I think Sabbath really is a reflection of swinging to the extremes, which is that we mandated by law these notions of rest and quiet and no commercialism. And then we broke all, we threw all of that out. We swung another way. It's, we're going to go 24-7. And I think the culture in some ways is saying, yeah, no, wait a minute, that's too far the other way. Now, let's see if we can figure out a way on our own, without mandates, without laws, to create a rhythm. I think we recognize ourselves instinctively is important to us. I know from enough conversations with you, Martin Doblemeyer, that you take the process of filmmaking seriously, not just as an intellectual and a practical exercise, but you also think about it spiritually. And so I wonder, as my last question to you today, how has this extended to your reflection on Sabbath begun to change your own thinking about your work, about your rhythms, about your place in a world that both demands of you work, but also gives you the possibility of rest. How have you been shaped by this project? That's, uh, I may not be the best example of all this, but I'm actually, I'm not a literalist. I have to confess, I am not someone who walks around with the calendar. Many people have a calendar that says exactly what time Sabbath be sunset begins on a certain day. I'm not that kind of person. But there's a calmness that comes over me on Friday evening that I, it's just hard to explain. And I've become, I, I, I more or less take both days, Saturday and Sunday, in some form of Sabbath. I feel a commitment and obligation, but also the, the opportunity to be in a lot of different congregations on the weekends. So I may be in Seventh-day Adventist congregations. I may be in a synagogue. I may be in a Catholic church, a Protestant churches. I get around as best as I possibly can. And I have friends. These are friends associations that I have in these different places. And I hunger to be with them where they gathered on those particular days. And so I'm making up my own buffet of religion in America. I mean, I have my own faith tradition that I grew up in, 
but I just enjoy the heck out of being with a lot of different people and a lot of different experiences. And the Sabbath film has, by virtue of making this film, has put me in a lot of different environments. And as a result of, of being the filmmaker for this, I'm trying my best to stay in those environments and appreciating them for what they are and trying to c- contribute back into them as best as I possibly can. So there is something distinct now for me about more than I think before about the weekends. And the other thing I came across too, David, is I recognize how providing the average person in the pew with their worship service and their day of rest for all these pastors and ministers and priests and rabbis, the Sabbath is exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting for them. And so they have to compromise by doing all the work leading up to the to their Sabbath day, and yet at the same time, finding some other day regularly during the course of the week, that's their day off, their quiet day, their Sabbath. And I've grown in a lot of respect for that. It's thrown me into the, to seeing Sabbath from their eyes. It's, and it can be both fulfilling and life-giving, but there's a great level of exhaustion to what they're doing week in and week out, and I admire that. Well, I'm sure that we've whet the appetite of our listeners, and now they want to become viewers. And so how can they see your film, Sabbath? Two ways to do that, David. First of all, they can go to our website, which is journeyfilms.com. And if they sign in, they can become, they have access to the entire two-hour film, plus all this education and teaching and outreach material, study material that we've created for this film on Sabbath that we think really does nothing but encourage people to gather together and have presentations of the show. And then beginning on June 1, nationwide on your public television station, the film Sabbath will be available on every public television station in America. So you simply go to your PBS station, type in the word Sabbath, and you should be able to view it there as well. Now, you won't get the educational material, but it's going to be available on every public television station in America. And we're grateful to public television for having sponsored our films now for many years. Well, Martin Doblemeyer, every time that you make a new film, I am so glad when you have a chance to come on the show and talk with us about it. Thank you so much for the two years that you and your crew put into conceiving and crafting this film. But thank you especially for talking about it with me and my listeners today. Well, no, you you are always a joy. You're on your game every time we get together. And I'm really grateful for the time, David. Thank you so much. We've been speaking today with Martin Doblemeyer. He's president and founder of Journey Films. You can find out about his work at journeyfilms.com. He holds degrees in religious studies, broadcast journalism, and honorary degrees in fine arts and humane letters. Since 1984, Martin Doblemeyer has produced and directed more than 30 films on religion, faith, and spirituality. Today we've been talking about his most recent film, Sabbath. Things Not Seen is produced by Sandberg Media, LLC. We're distributed nationally by PRX, the public radio exchange. Today's show was recorded at the William Adams Studios in beautiful Hyde Park here on the south side of Chicago, Illinois. Our theme music is composed by Gene Keeja. Our show is made possible in part by the generosity of supporters on Patreon. You can find out how to help us create great programs by going to patreon.com slash notseenradio. You can follow us on Twitter at notseenradio. Visit us on Facebook and like our page to receive regular updates about the show and find out more about our guests. That's facebook.com slash thingsnotseenradio. 
And you can sign up for the free podcast, listen to old shows, send us an email, and find out more about our guests if you visit us on the web at thingsnotseenradio.com. I'm David Dalt, and we'll be back next week with more conversations about culture and faith. Please join us.